Got time for a quick story. Family is a term that we oftentimes hear about at Christmas, about being with family, going home to family. Imagine if you had a multi-generational musical family. That's the case with Matthew and Gunnar Nelson, the sons of Ricky Nelson, who was the son of Ozzy and Harriet Nelson. And Matthew and Gunnar Nelson now have offspring of their own. It, it continues the, the family tradition of the Nelsons. And over the past few years, I've had the opportunity to interview both Matthew and Gunnar Nelson about their Christmas show, Christmas with the Nelsons. Now, the first time I talked to one of them was with Gunnar Nelson back in 2018, when back in November of 2018, when he was and his brother were getting ready to have some shows here in Wisconsin. Two years later, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of shows going virtual, I got the chance to talk to his twin, Matthew, about the virtual version of Christmas with the Nelsons, an online Matthew and Gunner style Christmas show. And you learn by listening to these interviews a lot about what family means to them and how that gets translated into entertainment for us. So I'm going to play both of these interviews in this edition of Got Time for a Quick Story, starting again with my 2018 interview with Gunnar Nelson at the time getting ready for the shows of Christmas with the Nelsons in 2018. Here's that interview. We're talking with Gunnar Nelson. Matthew and Gunnar Nelson are going to be performing in Black River Falls, or they're performing all across the state here. In fact, they're going to be in Wisconsin Dells in a few days. They'll be in Hartford on December 7th. Black River Falls, Ho-Chunk Gaming, December 9th for Christmas with the Nelsons. And you guys have been doing this for a few years now, correct? That's right. It's just been building and growing, Luke, every single year. And we've got it to a point right now where it really is a, a fine stage show. It's a lot more than just going down and seeing a bunch of guys play some Christmas songs. It, it incorporates uh, big screen video and really cool stories you can't hear anybody anywhere else. It, it, basically, the show tells the story of three Nelson family Christmas. The first one with our grandparents, Ozzie and Harriet. The second one with our father and, and us when we were kids. And it brings everybody up to speed with what we're all going on with today. And it's really cool, man. It really is. It's our favorite show that we get to play every single year. What would you say is the musical thread between the three generations, going to Ozzy, going to, to Ricky, and then you and Matthew? Is what, what aspect of music would you say, whether it's lyrical, whether it's genre, whether it's approach, is the same for all of those generations? Well, each generation in Nelson obviously did what was appropriate before their time, and they wanted to make their own mark. Of course, their grandpa Ozzy had a big band and had a number one of his own in 1935, and clearly music was very different back then. You know, Harriet Hilliard, our, our, later on our grandma Harriet Nelson, was a singer in his band. Mm -hmm. And then they had their stuff, basically their banter got longer and longer during their shows, and, and their jokes were really funny. They got, they got scouted by Red Skelton, who was the top star at the time. And he brought them over to ABC. Their their big band show turned into a radio show of their own, which turned into the Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet TV show. And all through that that time period, our Grandpa Ozzy was basically doing what was uh, 
I guess relevant for the the day that he was living in. Then when our grandpa or when our when our father Ricky started to sing, uh, in the beginning he was doing rockabilly. Rock and roll was brand new at the time. Our our, our dad started singing on a family television show in 1956. You know, back when rock and roll was brand new, there were no rules, and he made his mark doing that. He sold 280 million singles, and then kind of reinvented himself after the fact with what is credited as the first true country rock band with the Stone Canyon Band. And, of course, that was appropriate and relevant in the late 60s, early 70s. And then when Matthew and I were growing up, it was a really interesting time in music. Obviously, we were born in 67, and we actually got to see from ground zero all that great country rock stuff being made out of Southern California with the Troubadour Club. You had Jackson Brown and Joni Mitchell and, and the Flying Burrito Brothers, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Linda Ronstadt, and, uh, and, and a band that was hanging out at the bar, which years later would be the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And that's what Matthew and I kind of grew up with those guys over at our house all the time. And, you know, then we were growing up in high school, the arena rock thing was pretty big. And so Nelson was really kind of a blend of that whole arena rock sensibility with the vocalism, the vocal stylings of that, uh, that, that Southern California country rock folk thing. It was kind of like this uh, melange of different styles, but... For us, it really worked, and, and clearly, you know, with the Nelsons, the one through line throughout everything has really been the vocals. It's really been the singing. You know, we've, um, you know, we, we can we can scream a good rock song, not not a problem, but you know, we really kind of hit our stride when we're, we're we're singing or crooning or whatever it is you want to call it, and uh, and that's basically what all the Nelson men have done. And according to the Guinness Book, we're the only family in history with three generations of number one hit makers. Hmm. Yeah, it's it you. We're coming up on 29 years since I Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection. I remember seeing that on MTV all the time in the summer of 1990 and going, oh, wow, what's this here? And then, of course, After the Rain came out. But having a number one hit right there. Now, that, of course, pop music, Christmas music, the focus here is what, of course, we're, we're, you guys are working on right now with, with the live performances. So the discovery process, as you're putting this show together, when was, what was the genesis of going, okay, we want to do a Christmas show focusing on our family's history of music and Christmas stories? How does that all come together? Well, it, that's a great question, but it really began with the album. You know, about four or five years ago, Matthew and I were sitting around, kind of bemoaning the fact that, despite the fact that our father had sold, you know, hundreds of millions of records, literally, he never really made, uh, believe it or not, a, a true Christmas record. He never took the time to do what Elvis did and do a, a record that was going to be evergreen, that people were going to be able to enjoy year after year after year. And we just thought that was a stunning oversight. So we thought, hey, no matter what, you know, let's make one of our own. And if we were going to do that, how were we going to approach it? Because most people, when they're making a Christmas record, you know, let's be honest here, it's really kind of a cash grab. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted actually to make a statement and do something that was going to be timeless 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. When people were listening to it, it wasn't going to sound dated. And so we approached a, a Christmas record our way. I kind of imagine the same way uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash would have done it. We wanted to be very organic and, and acoustic guitar-driven. That's really kind of been the nucleus of, of Matthew and my sound over the years. And put something together that, again, uh, wouldn't sound dated instantly. And that's what we did. We took two years to make a record um, basically called This Christmas. And while we were doing that, we wrote an original single uh, called This Christmas that wound up charting twice, actually two years in a row, it broke the top five on the Billboard Hot 100, and we were the only independent in the top 40 to actually do that. It's um, something we're pretty proud of. And we released it the first year with our, our co-writer, Alyssa Bonagura, 
singing the, the woman's part. It's actually kind of a duet. And then we recut it with Carney and Wendy Wilson a couple of years ago from Wilson Phillips and released it and had another top five hit single with it. So believe it or not, Matthew and Gunnar Nelson actually have Christmas cred. It's pretty crazy. But, <laughs> but um, when, we, when we actually were doing all of this, we thought, man, this record is actually working and the single's connecting with people. So it, it's kind of academic. We have to put together a, a Christmas show. So we took everything that we learned from going out and doing our Ricky Nelson Remembered show, which is very video-intensive, story-intensive. And we put together our own version of uh, what all the buyers out there and then, in turn, the fans really wanted to see. See, Most times when, uh, according to the buyers that we talk to, uh, the promoters who put on shows, they, they get annoyed when they hear that uh, like someone's manager calls them up and says, oh, well, so-and-so's got a Christmas show. And they go, okay, great. And then they hire them, and it's basically their exact same show that they normally play throughout the year with a Christmas song tacked on at the end. Mm. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to put something together that was from stem to stern, something special, different than anything else we play throughout the year, and something that makes people, when they, when they watch it, uh, reconnect, not only with a time in life when you know, things were a little more innocent, perhaps, and a little more positive, but also when they themselves were a little more innocent and a little more positive. And no one leaves this show feeling like a stranger. You know, we, we sing the last song together. Um, everybody meets each other in a cool way. It's just, it's a really good feeling show. And, and honestly, that's really what Christmas is supposed to be about. And I don't want to give away anything that's in the show, give people actual reason to go to the concert. But I, I did see a clip from one of the, one of the shows that does. Did you kind of describe one of the one of the things you discovered? Is that is that is, what was the pro? Maybe I'll make it more general. So again, we don't give away what happens in the show. But what were you discovering things that you didn't know about as you were putting together the aspects of the show to build in the content, and you found? artifacts, if you will, from Ozzy and Harriet and Ricky to get this stuff together? Well, Christmas is always sacred with the Nelsons in general, and Ozzy always wound up putting together uh, Christmas-themed shows once a year and stuff. So we, we actually start out our show with a, our favorite Ozzy and Harriet Christmas episode called Busy Christmas. Hmm. So that kind of sets the stage with everything. Um, and, and yes, of course, we found all kinds of great archival footage. There's a wealth of it. Uh, you know, you got, you got our dad singing a couple of classics, too, that uh, the women who used to kiss the television set when he used to come on get to, to watch. But the most fun thing that, that I, I actually got to be a part of, because I'm, I'm a little edgy, my favorite section of the show is uh, we do a little bit on the, uh, on the top five. It's a top five list of the most dangerous, dangerous Christmas toys ever unleashed by Santa on uh, unsuspecting children, and it tended to be during the 70s, we thought. You know, when Matt and I were growing up during the era of Bruce Lee and, uh, and Evil Knievel, you know, we thought we were really tough. But as we went back throughout history, what we found is the farther back we went, I mean, the more, the more edgy and daring the children actually were. And we've forgotten because, you know, the fun police rolled in and gave us all bike helmets, and technology took over. But back in our day, man, you know, you didn't have a, a character in a video game taking that jump off a Schwinn bicycle over the Snake River Canyon. We were the kids doing it. <laughs> and we have a great time with that bit. It's a lot of fun. Um, really, honestly, uh, you know, we, we, we go all secular with the show, have a great time with it. But we're, we're still really connected with what this time of year means to people and what it truly is all about. And, you know, honestly, it's about family and friends and loved ones and being nicer to each other and uh, connecting with your beliefs and, 
in what it is that gets you through your day to day and being grateful for all of that. Um, it's a, it's an honor for us to do it. It's not a show that we have to do. It's a show that we love to do. And, and I think people, when they come to the show, they can feel that. And they feel that when they're leaving, you know, we've got all kinds of stories with people going out. I saw your show and man, I, I held a grudge with this one person for 25 years and darn it. I wasn't going to be the one that broke down and called them and, and kind of mended fences. And after your show, I did that. And that makes me feel good when I hear stories like that. When you're a performer that's doing a, a, a actual Christmas show, you're not at home, obviously, to have all the put up the lights and everything like on a daily basis, obviously, because you're you're touring around, and then there are other artists that go through that all the time. So, how do you balance your Christmas traditions while doing a Christmas show going around the country in December? Well, I do it two ways. You know, for me, emotionally, what's great is that I, I get to brag about my own family. So every night when I'm doing the show and sharing my own family with the audience, I get to revisit with my own family up there on the screens and stories about them and laughing and, and all that stuff. So I still do feel connected. But, you know, I continue the tradition that our father had, which is from the week before Christmas to the week after Christmas, uh, all my handlers know not to book us. You know, it's a, it's a sacred time for us. We take that time for family. And we take that time for the holiday. And, you know, hopefully, you know, my kids uh, will have gone a long way to, to uh, decorate the house and, and do the Clark W. Griswold on the outdoor lights and, and all that stuff. And when I come home, a lot of the heavy lifting will, will get done. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, honestly, I, I don't mind that. I think that's okay. <laughs> if they want if, if to get the bins out of the attic and do all that kind of stuff, you know, who am I to stop them? But, uh, but I actually, they, they're really sweet about it, and they, they kind of leave the really fun stuff for me to do. You know, I love cooking the, 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 the dinner, and um, I love, you know, by the time I get back, the family that's visiting from out, out of town, that's when they start showing up. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't miss about the holidays because I design it that way. You know, our dad did the same thing. He would never work the week before Christmas or the week after because that was his family time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want to make sure for, for whoever you are out there, you know, it's just kind of one of those things for me. I always want to make sure that I'm, I, I'm living, I'm, I'm, I'm working to live, not living to work. Do you understand? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. What, by, by the way, what is your go-to Christmas entree that you most love cooking? Uh, oh, the, oh, what? Uh, what, as far as in my repertoire? You know, no, co- literally, when you are cooking Christmas or Christmas yeah. dinner, what is the, what is the thing you're, you're like, that's my thing, I got my recipe, what is it? Well, well actually, it's, Luke, I'm a chef, actually. I go and I do traveling events, and, and, uh, and I cook for hundreds of people. So, uh, I mean, I, I take the cooking thing seriously, and I absolutely love it. So, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those, I start two days in advance kind of guys, <laughs> but... But, um, you know, believe it or not, I don't make a turkey for, for Christmas. You know, I, I knock that out when we do Thanksgiving. Right. And I know everybody loves ham. I'm not going to compete with, uh, with, with some of the, the traditional uh, outlets that people have been, been going to for 100 years here in this country for their ham because it's just perfect. <laughs> but um, I actually make a Christmas goose. Really? I go old school. I, I, I go, uh, you know, England and, and Dickens Christmas Carol, and that's what I do. And uh, it's something that I, it's, it, it's best described if you've never had a Christmas goose, if you like dark meat on a turkey, then the whole thing is dark meat on a turkey. It tastes like that. But I do it with a maple glaze, and I do it with an apple sausage, sand sage, uh, cornbread stuffing. It's, it's pretty rocking. 
it's pretty cool. Ooh, wow, that's giving me some ideas, actually. I saw Goose in the grocery <laughs> store, no lie, the other day. So, hmm. I'm gonna... It's pretty cool, man. My... It's pretty cool. You should give it a shot. I think I might have to might have to try that myself. On the topic of favorite Christmas songs, what is your favorite Christmas song or song, shall I say, to perform? Wow. I mean, we do them all. We do the classics. We do, you know, everything from Santa Claus is Coming to Town to... Uh, you know, White Christmas, man, they're singing uh, and competing with, with Bing's version is a little difficult to do. Um, but we go, you know, old school and traditional as well. If I were to pick one, let me think. Oh, you know what? To be honest with you, it's the the song that we actually closed the set with. It, it touches my heart. It was the one that really impacted my grandpa when he was growing up, too. And that would be Silent Night. Uh, that's That's actually my favorite song to sing, only because... You know, all kidding and fun aside, it connects me with what we're all, all uh, you know, kind of celebrating. And and uh, and it's the one that I get to sing with the entire audience. Mm. And the lights are off in the theater. And uh, and everybody's just, just really kind of coming together. And there's no PA on. There's no lights on. We're just a group of uh, brand new friends, you know, getting connected and, and raising our voices and singing together. And that, that would definitely be the, the moment and the, and the one that I would pick. Well, what part of the show gets the best audience reaction? And I say part because whether it may be a song, maybe it's a, a sketch or a presentation or something, what what always seems to get the best reaction? Well, everybody loves the Most Dangerous Christmas Toys bit. There's a <laughs> lot of laughter in that. Um, they, uh, there's a, there are a lot of moments that they really dig, but to be honest with you, I, I think the thing that's most moving is uh, there's a section in the, in the show, and this is the first time first time we've ever been able to do this we actually improved this show every single year and we got a lot of input from the fans who had seen it in years past who asked us have you boys ever been able to sing with your father like on the same stage at the same time and it's a i mean basically long story short technically no we never got a chance to do that we got a chance to open for his band when we were in our in our high school band you know our dad was late to a couple of gigs and they're basically like, Matt and Gunner, you're on, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we never got a chance to actually sing with him. And then, uh, of course, he was taken in the plane crash on New Year's Eve 1985. And, and after that, Matthew, a few years later, Matthew and I caught our lick with Nelson. And we always felt our father with us in spirit, but he was never really able to, uh, to join us on stage. But he does in this show. We actually, uh, through technology, we were, were able to sing with our father for the first time. And I think that's everybody's favorite moment. It's actually pretty cool for us, too. Uh, going back to this Christmas and writing that song, and I, in, in some of your interviews, hearing, hearing you guys talking about writing a song that, again, kind of stands the test of time, and there are so many new Christmas songs that are written by so many artists that every, every year, and yet there are the classics. White Christmas, Silent Night, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I'm looking in the studio right now, and that's what's, what we're playing right now. And of course, it's the classic, Bing Crosby, The Carpenters, the, those. So how do you, when, when you sat down over those couple years to write the, uh, to do the album, and there are a lot of classics on there, but to write that particular song, how do you approach it to make it timeless to make it stand out from what's current and try to hit that sweet spot? What was the process of songwriting for that tune? Well, it's a really excellent question. I love songwriting more than anything. I really do. And before we sat down to do this, you know, I I challenged my brother and our co-writer, Alyssa. I said, you know, the difficult thing, it's kind of like trying to write uh, a replacement for the birthday song. (laughs) You know, it's a tall order to do. 
Because if you think about it, one, the air is really thin up there. You mentioned uh, you being in the Carpenters and all these, these songs that people are not only used to hearing year after year, but they want to hear it year after year because it's like a visit from an old friend, and it connects them with a time in their lives when they themselves were kids and sitting around the fire, hopefully during the good times, and and for some people during the rare good times, you know, visiting with their families and such. And, and that that's what makes it very difficult to break through in that. So I said, well, how can we write a song that makes feel people or makes people feel warm and fuzzy on the inside, but hasn't been done before? You know, how do we do this where it's not trite? Because you hear a lot of people's attempts at uh, at original Christmas songs, and it's just it just sounds lame. It's, it's been done a million times. And what we came up with was a concept of two best friends who have been in each other's lives since grade school. Uh, they they I mean they dig each other as friends, but they realize on Christmas Eve that in fact they actually really do love each other, like love each other. And they're both scared to tell each other that because they don't want to ruin their friendship. And then they realize, well, you know, if you can't tell the one you love that you love them on Christmas Eve, the night that miracles happen, then when can you? And that's where this Christmas came from. That's the theme of the song, is these two friends realizing that they, in fact, really do love each other and were meant to be together. And uh, by the end of the song, they are. So that, that's, what we, that's how we approached it. And, and it was kind of a novel idea. And, uh, and, and Christmas really was the setting for the song. And uh, the, the Miracles of Christmas was, was really the kind of like the, the, the vehicle for what the characters in the, in the song were actually really going for. And before you know it, it's kind of like that little spoonful of sugar that helped the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. People didn't realize it, but they were hearing a love song and a Christmas song all at once. So you've got five shows here in Wisconsin okay. throughout, the, throughout this, this upcoming Dude, this I, I'm, I'm getting tired with you even saying that. <laughs> oh my lord! The the drives between these shows are daunting to say the least. We got one where we've got an eleven hour drive, wow! And uh, we do a show that day, and then a nine and a half hour drive on the way back, right back to Wisconsin. It's going to be crazy, but man, it's I've I've heard that Santa Sleigh actually can make some pretty good tracks. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty I'm looking forward to this. Well, it, it, Wisconsin, you sure seem to be coming up here a lot because I remember was it last year or the year before you had a show. Uh, somewhere in the northwestern part of the state, or maybe it was eastern Minnesota. It might have been one of the casino areas, but I remember doing a commercial for the for that that for for I think it was for Ricky Nelson remembered. But you were up here not that long ago, if I recall correctly. And then, of course, oh, you're you're back here doing the Christmas show. Is there something about the audience up here in Wisconsin, up here in the Upper Midwest, that's receptive to your shows? Yeah, there is, and there's a reason for it because you know them's our peeps. You know, the Midwesterners are, are people with the sensibility to appreciate what the Nelson family has been about for the last hundred years. We're talking about folks that, that by and large, take two showers a day, not one. <laughs> These are people who, who put their family and their faith above anything, and they get it. They understand it. They know what it's all about. Um, they don't appreciate being preached to, uh, which is not something the Nelson family's ever done, but they do appreciate feeling valued and respected and and loved and connected to what you know their their beliefs and what it is about life and how they approach life that makes life worth living for them and and you know honestly all the Nelson family's ever done for 100 years is hopefully make people feel good about being who they are that's what we do so you know we don't we don't bother with the coast for the most part i mean everybody's got a right to entertainment and all that kind of stuff but for all the people who are so busy lighting themselves on fire to appear cool uh, in New York and in Los Angeles, you know, to be honest with you, it's always been a struggle 
for everything that we do, going back to Nelson, the rock band, Ozzy and Harriet, Ricky Nelson. But, you know, in the flyover states, man, those, those are the people that get what it is that we do. And so we appreciate them. And, and we we got to bring the rock and all that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> that's why we spend as much time as we do in Wisconsin and in Minnesota and in Iowa and in Ohio, um, because those are the, the folks that feel like our family. And that's why we approach what we do for them exactly that way. Every time we do a show for them, it's a family reunion. You mentioned 100 years of music, and I think that is the first time I've ever interviewed an artist where you can where you can actually make that claim, and you go, yep, that's exactly right. There's a century's worth of music and a lineage right there, and you guys are still obviously quite active. What is next on the plate for you and Matthew as after the holiday season as we go into 2019? Well, uh, that's a great question. Of course, we're going to continue to do the shows that we've always done. We're going to, I mean, as long as people want to see Ricky Nelson, remember, we're going to play that. Every year, we're going to look forward to this Christmas tour. Uh, a couple of, of, of uh, different things, uh, differences is uh, we're going to start doing more Nelson Rock Band shows. We've got a new manager, and Dana Strum, who also uh, works with Vince Neil, and he's uh, in the band Slaughter. Oh yeah, very, very, very smart guy. That's right. And uh, all of a sudden, it, it's not quite as un- uncool to be a creature from the '80s, and <laughs> and we've been doing a lot more, uh, a lot more Nelson shows. We just got back from headlining a festival in London. Uh, with Nelson, and um, and there's a demand for that, so we're going to do more of those shows. But to be honest with you, Luke, the thing that I am most excited about, sincerely, is a brand new project that we've got cooking called Firstborn Sons. And Firstborn Sons is kind of the culmination of everything we've been doing for the last 25 years, everything that we've learned, and it's a straight-up it's a country project, man, with a lot of Southern rock, and it's very guitar-oriented. I want you to think the Eagles with Joe Walsh. Mm, okay. uh, we've been writing for this project and putting it together for the last 15 years, and 2019 is the year that we're going to actually start focusing on that pretty exclusively. Um, creatively speaking, we've got over 100 songs for that project. So um, I mean, be on the lookout for that. Again, it's called Firstborn Sons, and that's what we're going to be doing. That'll be fascinating to hear when it comes out. And, of course, the tour is continuing right now. Christmas with the Nelsons. Uh, you guys are going to be in the Dells at the, at the Palace Theater coming up on the 5th, on the 7th in Hartford, and then coming up on the 9th down at Ho-Chunk Gaming in Black River Falls. Enjoy touring all across and, and zigzagging across Wisconsin and the Upper Midwest. And have a good holiday season, Gunner. Thank you so much for talking with us. And Merry Christmas to you and the entire Nelson family. Uh, Luke, thank you so much. And, and all of our love and gratitude to all of your listeners out there for giving the Nelson family the greatest job in the world for that 100 years. Fun interview there with Gunnar Nelson uh, back in 2018. Now we fast forward two years to 2020, and I'm talking to his identical twin, Matthew Nelson, in this interview that you're about to hear about the virtual version of Christmas with the Nelsons and talk about other things related to Christmas and what they're doing online and, and a whole lot of stuff here. Check it out. My 2020 interview with Matthew Nelson. And we're talking today to Matt Nelson, one of the two members of Nelson, Matthew and Gunnar Nelson, the two uh, members of Nelson. And well, this is now I get the chance to talk to the other one. Gunnar, I chatted with two years ago about uh, the Christmas show. And now we have the virtual show and I'm talking to you this time. So 
I don't. Well, that's good. Well, at least we get to round it out and make it a complete full Nelson because you got one half mm. on the other half. There you go. Ex- full Nelson ex- on the phone right now. Right. It's finally accomplished here. This this virtual event is going to be coming up in a few days is when it premieres on December 20th. So that would be Sunday, 5 p.m. Central Time, 6 Eastern, whenever anyone's listening to this. It's Christmas with the Nelsons, an online Matthew and Gunner style Christmas show. Like everything is going virtual this year. I was literally just on the radio minutes ago talking about the Trans-Siberian Orchestra is having a virtual show this year. I mean, that's the thing, and it's a way to get that out. When did you guys decide, I mean, was it really natural with everything happening this year and a lot of stuff going online? When did you guys decide, let's do the Christmas show as a virtual event? Well, I don't think anything this year is natural. We got more murder hornets, baby. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> out there, right? Um, Gunner and I actually, uh, we had the idea of doing this uh, along with some other shows that we've tried virtual. You know, I think every artist in our position is trying to find the right the right platform to, to reach our audience and even more than that and make new, uh, new friends and stuff with the virtual experience, mostly out of necessity. I don't think you talk to anybody that really says, oh, I really think that this is, so much better than having a live audience in front of you. But then again, there are some artists maybe that on second thought might think that. But Gunner and I are really about, you know, we were the guys that would shake hands with people after every show for two hours or three hours. And we're all about our fans. And that's what our family's been about. And that's what this show historically has been about. The last six years, it's three generations of Nelson family Christmases going back to Ozzy and Harriet's era, uh, growing up with our dad, Ricky Nelson, and of course our families now. Gunner and I actually wrote a Christmas hit, an original Christmas hit, uh, broke the top five on the Billboard uh, chart two years in a row recently, which is really a feat considering we're going up against, you know, Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley and Mariah Carey and Bing Crosby. I mean, it's it's tough to do that as a songwriter, so we're proud of it. And it was kind of a thing that we always, you know, thought of doing, but wound up executing that six years ago. And then with this year being as crazy as it is, and actually having a couple of shows that we've recently gone out to do, in, including one Christmas show in Florida, and just to see that, you know, when you have 10 or 11 months of everybody telling you, you know, that the world outside of your home is, is dangerous, it, you know, it's, it tends to, you know, we experienced it just kind of being out there and doing a show where we could kind of see it on the faces and talk to our fans and stuff like that. They were there, but um, I, I think this times are so uncertain, we want people to feel comfortable. You know, um, and if they're going to feel comfortable in their pajamas in front of their fireplace, okay, we'll do that too. Um, the one on the upside of things, I look at this as being our ways of exploring, reaching our fans that might not be able to make it to a, a show of ours, whether it be Christmas or uh, Nelson or our new project, Firstborn Sons or Scrap Metal, all the things that we do. Maybe when we come out of this and everybody goes out and, and can be together and and do it the, the way that we all want to be, you know, real human beings, we can do this as artists along with the live show experience. So it, it's going to be additive and not just a substitute. Um, but I think that seeing those shows firsthand and realizing that people right now would kind of prefer, honestly, in a lot of ways to have a, a you know, socially distanced virtual experience, whatever you think. And so we're going to provide that for our fans. And, and that's what this show is about. The platform is called Meat Hook, and not M-E-E-T, Hook, dot live, you, you know, four slash Nelson. You could find us, uh, both I'm sure maybe you could uh, share a link, you know, you can go on nelsonbrothers.com and find it. But most importantly, wherever you are, you can get this show, 
and uh, we're going to be running it for a few days after that, but the live experience is going to be that first concert. And Gunnar and I are very excited about um, ending this year on an up note, as up as, pos- uh, as possible, because the show really makes you feel that way. keep having flashbacks to 1968 about how that was considered, a, I mean, I wasn't around in 68, but everything I've heard was that terrible year, terrible, terrible year. Then you had like Apollo 8 right at the end, like, hey, okay, there was something a little nicer about that. And that kind of seems to be the vibe I'm getting from some other artists that are either doing the virtual shows or doing Christmas stuff of like, okay, maybe we can kind of close this off on some sort of a some sort of a nicer thing here with what you guys are doing. What, what exactly is going to be different besides obviously playing to the camera a little bit as opposed to an audience? What, is there anything in store without giving away what's going to be in the show that's going to be a little different about this? Well, I mean, you just kind of said it in that pre-roll there, is the fact that there will not be an audience there, so you play it differently. And I always say this to people, I've played venues that are virtual all the way up to stadium shows. You know, I've played for 70,000 people before, and I've also played in front of uh, a Mudo camera and a GoPro. So there are different ways as an artist that you learn through decades of doing it to communicate. I think Dolly Parton is probably the biggest genius of that. I mean, I think she can do both equally well. And so I look up to people that I admire like her and try to do that. Uh, What Gunnar and I have done is kind of distilled the elements of the show that we put together, the live show, which which incorporates uh, archive footage and video from our family. We're very very blessed to have 435 episodes of Ozzy and Harriet and all these interviews and stuff with our dad and with Gunnar and myself. And, you know, without giving it it up, I, I think... We took the highlights from the show that we normally do and added a couple of things that play better to an audience that's at home. Um, you know, I don't want to give away all of it. All I'm going to say is if you've seen Christmas with the Nelsons, you know how that show made you feel. And that was the most important thing to us was that when, uh, when people signed off, they felt like they had a real Christmas experience at a time, like you mentioned, that a lot of artists are trying to uh, save save the Christmas spirit and Christmas joy and what Christmas is really all about and, and kind of put that out there to the world. You know, we all kind of feel like not only is it, it it's something that we, we genuinely want to do, but, but almost, you know, that is our job actually to elevate people. I mean, Gunnar and I always say that spiritually speaking, we're the guys that would be on the deck of the Titanic playing songs as the ship went down to calm people. I don't think our ship is going down. I'm actually one of those guys that thinks the opposite. I personally think the worst is behind us. We know far more about, what our situation is with our health, at least with this particular situation we're going through. Uh, and I'm, I'm an optimist. And I look, you know, look at all kinds of things that are happening now that will make people healthier. And, and uh, you know, I, I genuinely feel like I'm looking at this show as being not a way just of ending the, the year on an up note, but a symbol of, hey, we survived the worst of this, and next year's going to be better. Speaking of encouraging people online that's something you guys have also embraced there's been there have been gunners regular series online the the good news and then of course the matthew mondays that you've been doing first of all before i dive into that what's the puppy status puppy status is um puppy is on board of mommy and puppy will be born at the end of this month okay and can come home in a couple of months i went uh, with ozzy and we met some some doggies and uh there were you know of course the dad is the dad but the the mommy bonded with us instantly what a sweetheart what a beautiful dog and and honestly uh 
for a little boy to get his first his first dog. And I've, I've, I have and I encourage adoption. I do because I've done that a lot before. And um, this is the kind of thing where you know very responsible, reputable people that have a big history over years and years, decades with animals and dogs. I mean, when Gunnar and I grew up, nobody knows this, but our mom was like the queen of rescue animals before it was cool. Mm. And we always, Gunnar and I grew up with five or six dogs. Usually anything that was missing an eye or a leg came home and Gunnar and I took care of those dogs and those animals. And, you know, we spent a lot of time actually at a friend's working cattle ranch during the summer. So we're kind of city mouse, country mouse people. And uh, I think that's why we feel so comfortable around animals and stuff. So we're really excited about this addition to the family because that's what they are. And um, there are a lot of animals right now that need a lot of love. So, again, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you're, you're, you're buying a dog. You know, you're the part of the problem. No, I'm not part of the problem. I still donate to animal charities. And I still, if I see an injured animal, I help that animal. And I do, I'm one of those guys. So, um, you know, it's really more a, a, a time that I think that, um, you know, if, if animals are going to be born anyways, I'd like one to go to a good home. And that's what we're doing. And we're very excited about it. So you guys, are like like I said, diving in with the Matthew Monday with with the good news, that's yeah. right. Well, it's it's something something additional in online content of that to outside of the lack of live performance. The other big takeaway I've gotten from following the music industry in general this year and any interviews that I've been fortunate to do is I keep seeing people doing online like live presentations from home, and you've seen the same thing. How did you guys settle? Right. Yeah, how do you settle on your particular avenues? Like, okay, where's our niche going to be? What are fans going to, not only would they want, but what do you feel that they need from you? How did you decide on these two approaches? Well, good question there. Gunnar and I just actually had a very long conversation with it's very relevant that you're bringing this up now. Gunnar did an interview for a musician that has a, a, a blog in Spain uh, on a platform called Blabbermouth recently. And Gunnar has been doing something called the good news because he got, it started with, you know, we meet a lot of people at our shows, always have, have great fans. They always communicate with us. And sometimes I'll ask advice. This, what happened with Gunnar was he got a, a message from a fan saying, Gunnar, I've, I've heard so much bad news. And that's all I see when I turn on the television or the radio. And I just, I feel like I'm being bombarded with, you know, gloom and pestilence. You know, is there any advice you can give me? And that's when he decided to do the good news. He wanted to be the guy that went through research and numbers and, and added an alternative. Because you can get plenty of bad news if you want to focus on that, right? And, and in his experience of doing this, and, and honestly, I, when I talked to him, I said, look, I want just something a little bit lighter. Maybe people can find out a little bit about, you know, my home life because I really don't talk about that. That was how I decided to contribute with this. I've been Mr. Hey, my home life and my family, that's for me. And people can understand that. You're a very personal uh, person outside of that and at your shows, but you want to save a little for yourself. But in these times, people got to know me a little bit more just as Matt. You know, the people that know me, know me. and, And that's one thing that you don't, usually get with a lot of artists you know they you know gunner and i have always been very real down-to-earth guys and i have to say that with him he's kind of been on a mission to not offer at all a counterpoint to a lot of the narrative that's going out there but he is one of those guys and i gotta tell you i really admire him for doing this because i saw what happened when he did this last interview he was citing some numbers that he took directly off of, you know, 
relevant and, you know, the things that people are citing as being, well, you got to go for the data. He went right to the CDC. He went right to the WHO and he did the research and went down a few pages and deep dove and found information. And he said something along the lines of, hey, I think things are getting better and here's my backup to this. But there are unfortunately some people that are out there that feel more comfortable being told bad stuff. It kind of follows into what they've been encultured to believe over the last eight or nine months, you know, and, you know, if you're around somebody, you're going to spontaneously combust, you know, it's not, that's not really the case, you know, and, and in a lot of cases. And the fact is coming from, from Gunnar and myself, just to get personal, and we never said this, but we've had COVID, you know, we survived it. Our, our families did both of them. And so we were fortunate that way, and we have our own experiences. So some people started saying, oh, he's spreading disinformation, and maybe if he had this, he would know what he's talking about. And, like, all he was trying to do was say, hey, it's not all bad news. It's not, it's not all bad news. And there are, unfortunately, some people that just don't want to hear that. And I've seen there have been people in history that when they come with good news, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work out well for them. And you know, bless my brother. He's a fighter and a warrior because he really feels like it's his job as, as an entertainer. It's not an ego thing. He doesn't get paid for this to to do something good and make people feel, you know, think, think about this. In our shows, like Christmas with the Nelson, Nelson's Nelson, our band, anything that we do, people that have followed us for years, we used to take a lot of heat for kind of being too, you know, not squeaky, but just basically we were never a spill beer on your girlfriend's kind of group. You know, we, we wrote good pop, you know, heavy pop songs, and we always kind of, you know, we have three we have three rules in life. You know, you have to be undeniably good. That's rule number one. Rule number two, never lose your sense of humor because you're going to need it, and 2020 will show you that. And rule number three, don't be a jerk, and you can substitute the last word with whatever you want to. But those are our three rules that we've always followed, and it's always gotten us through stuff. But you're going to find some haters even if you come at them with good news and, and good things because – they find comfort in in whatever they're telling themselves or whatever people are telling them. So, uh, you know, I got to say that, that I love my brother. He's my twin. Uh, I honestly, you know, haven't put myself in as much of the line of fire as he has recently just for being positive about stuff. And, uh, you know, we're those kind of guys. A friend of mine told me a long time ago, a guy named Jack Pond, one of my dearest friends, he said, you guys can make the most out of nothing more than anybody I've ever seen. And I took that for years as the most amazing compliment. Wow. You know, and I talked to him about three months ago and I said, Jack, remember when you said you guys can make the most out of nothing? You know, I took that as a compliment. He said, my friend, that wasn't a compliment. I was, I was insulting you. And I was like, it just, see, that's what I'm saying is it just depends on your perspective and everything that I've learned about life and success and happiness has to do with your perception. And um, so, you know, bless Gunner for, for saying that. You know, you, and a, another guy in our family said a long time ago, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. And I think if you're doing something that you believe is right, you know, regardless of how people take it, they can take it one way or another, you know, you're doing, a, you're doing the right thing. So that's, that's kind of what we live by. That line does sound a little familiar for some reason. But yeah, some, someone you know, I'm, I'm sure, is a reliable source on that one. Um, speaking of family members, 
Uh, Gunner, two years ago, had mentioned Goose, if memory serves me right. That like that, I think that was the thing that was like his his Christmas like dinner. Like that was the thing that he wanted to cook. I think that's what he he said. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. So for your yeah. for your Christmas dinner plans, because I remember he was telling me that like, so what do you guys do for Christmas? He said, well, we're we're, all, we're always performing. Like, well, of course that makes sense because you guys are actually out on the road during December ordinarily. Well, in an ordinary year, this year, however you want to call it, what do you do for Christmas? And maybe if I could be more particular. Do you cook anything for Christmas? Okay, so for everybody, for the record, Matthew Nelson is a great eater, and I'm an opportunivore, okay? <laughs> I only have two bugaboos on my personal list of food that I, that I don't love. That's liver and beets, okay? Other than that, all bets are off, okay? <laughs> so I am the eater. Gunner is the chef. I can do mean dishes. Gunner can cook. Now, my family lives pretty close to Gunner's, and... We're probably going to spend Christmas together, which is great. And, you know, usually we do spend Christmas itself together, but right before Christmas, we're usually doing our show Christmas with the Nelsons. So we get to, um, you know, I think everybody has, for, for better or for worse, has spent more time in close proximity with their family members this year. And on the up note, I got closer with my little boy, Ozzy, because grabbed my leg about a month into this, this whole situation. said, Papa, I think it's great you're not playing right now because you can spend more time with me. And it was like the song The Cats in the Cradle was my soundtrack as that went on. I was remembering times with my dad being on the road, too. So that's the upside. The other thing is we get to spend more holidays together with Gunner cooking and me eating. And I love Thanksgiving so much that I am hoping to to relive Thanksgiving leftovers with a Christmas dinner that's a lot like what we had at Thanksgiving. You know, I'm talking, uh, you know, if Gunner wants to make duck, I'm down with it. You know, he makes a mean duck, and he really... That's one thing that he's been doing recently is is online posts of, you know, little cooking tips or whatever. And occasionally, Gunnar and I have done uh, some things. He actually has done it more than, than me. I kind of come along for comic relief. But we call it dinner and a show where he gets to oversee and participate in the menu for a group of people, usually um, at a casino because they have a big kitchen. And people buy a ticket and they get to eat uh, eat his menu for dinner. And then we play a concert. Uh, while they're eating, which is really kind of a neat idea. And I think we're going to do more of those kind of things, too. Again, when stuff loosens up a little bit and we get past the current situation. So uh, I, I guess the long and the short of it is whatever Gunner wants to cook, we will eat. And I will gladly and happily do the dishes. <laughs> well, everyone has their part. I mean, that's that's how a family works. Someone has their role and you you do the cleanup role. I can, you know what? In in our twinship, that's usually what it is. We always joke and say that I'm the Kissinger. So Gunner is a girl in the china shop that goes in and destroys everything. And I'm usually the guy with a dustpan cleaning it up, and I'm good with that. I'm fine. That's my role. <laughs> the Secretary of State, if you will, for for this. Oh, exactly. So yeah, we'll wrap it up here by quick asking: 2021 plans you mentioned earlier about firstborn sons and the music that could be coming out. Is that are we looking at actually having recordings out in calendar year 2021? Uh, not only are we going to have recordings out, we're going, heck yeah, we've finished two albums worth of material. We've had Chris Lord Algie, who's the greatest mixer on the planet, mix more hit records than anybody has mixed mm-hmm. the singles. Uh, we are just waiting to go with it. And it is, it is a great American country rock album in the vein of what, kind of like what we grew up with, a, like a modern version of Rick Nelson's Stone Canyon Band meets Linda Ronstadt at her peak and the Eagles. You know, it's really cool stuff. If you like guitars and you love country music, you're going to be really happy. You know, Gunnar and I have worked really hard on it. Great music. Uh, 
again, firstborn son, so that will be coming out. We're looking at going to market with it. Probably with the, the current situation, we'll, we'll settle on a partner to release it in spring and release by summer. That's our goal with that. And uh, so we've been in the studio and working a lot with that. I also have a side project called Red 37, completely different type of thing that's been in the can for a long time. It's a, a modern rock three-piece that uh, is going to be for a different market, but fan, our fans are going to love it. So you can watch that's finally going to come out. Everybody's been talking about that, no joke, for years and years. And so Red 37 is coming out. Um, and uh, we plan all of our shows that we had this last year. I think three-quarters of them just got shifted over a year. So the good news is not only are we going to get out there on the road, hopefully, and play those concerts that we didn't play last year, but Universal Music is going to do a definitive Nelson Greatest Hits collection that's going to come out. We've just done, uh, we're working on finalizing our deal with them for a catalog deal for all of our 15 titles. So there's going to be a, a new album for Nelson, not only the Greatest Hits, but after that, we're following up with an original album for that band as well. So lots of new music coming out. And we're going to be busy kind of uh, going through and, and breaking some ground with this this new model of uh, adding the, the virtual world into what we normally do. All right. Christmas with the Nelsons. It's coming really soon. It's coming on Sunday, 5 p.m. Central, 6 Eastern, then on demand until New Year's Day. Go to Meet Hook. That's M-E-E-T, hook.live slash Nelson. And that's where you can buy your ticket and definitely do so. And you can experience Christmas with the Nelsons wherever you're at, whatever, wherever you are in your building, wherever you're at. You can listen to Matthew and Gunnar and watch them as well. Have a Merry Christmas, both of you and the rest of your family. And have a safe rest of the year. And we're looking forward to all sorts of stuff coming from you guys in 2021. Well, thank you so much. That was really well said. And Merry Christmas to everybody listening, whether or not you see the show. We hope you do. But we hope you have a much better year next year. God bless everybody, and Merry Christmas. Matthew Nelson there. It's always fun to talk to those guys. I could say always because now, again, I've talked to both of them. I've talked to Matthew and Gunnar Nelson over the years. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun getting to chat with both of them about Christmas and that most Recent interview from 2020 talking about the online show. You can keep up with Matthew and Gunner and all things Nelson related at MatthewandGunnerNelson.com. MatthewandGunnerNelson.com. They're also on social media. As I mentioned in the interview with Matthew Nelson, lots of social media updates, especially you go to Facebook, you see a whole lot. They're, they're all over the place, so you definitely will be able to follow along with everything they're doing in all of the assorted projects that they're working on. They are quite busy. There's a decent chance we'll be talking to one or both of them in the future. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks as always to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin for providing the facilities to do these interviews. You can also listen to these interviews at greatesthits981.com where it says blog. Put your mouse over that. Then you'll see it pops up interviews. Click there and you can listen to interviews at greatesthits981.com. My interviews and also for my coworker, John Murphy, who has done some interviews as well. They're all there at greatesthits981.com. Also, you can subscribe to Got Time for a Quick Story, usual uh, platforms via Apple, Android. You can find us on, or find this, I should say, on Spotify, uh, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher. Pandora is a whole lot of places where you can listen to this podcast. Subscribe to it so you know about the latest um, the latest additions. And also um, rate it preferably highly because that will spread the word around a little more. Got time for a quick story? I'm Luke Anthony.